BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hi, everyone. Judge Andrew Napolitano here for Judging Freedom. Today is Tuesday, June 14, 2022. It's about 1.30 in the afternoon here on the East Coast of the United States. We are joined today by one of the superstars of Judging Freedom's guests, uh, Scott Ritter, who really needs no uh, introduction to any of you. He is, of course, well-experienced in military intelligence, uh, in military fighting, uh, and uh, in searching for weapons of mass destruction. And he has been our go-to guy uh, in analyzing the politics, the intelligence, and mainly the military realities on the ground uh, in Ukraine. Scott, always a pleasure. Welcome back to Judging Freedom. Well, thank you very much for having me. How are things uh, looking from the perspective of the Ukraine government uh, and its efforts to maintain the territorial integrity of Ukraine as it stood uh, before uh, the Russian uh, military incursion began? No, I mean, uh, there can be no doubt now that um, Ukraine has is going to suffer um, significant territorial loss, not just the Crimea in perpetuity, not just the Donbass, um, but also at least two uh, oblasts or regions, uh, Kherson in the south coming out of um, uh, Crimea, and then um, Zaporizhia in the east. Um, the, the Kherson bridgehead, of course, secures... Um, water supply and water resources to provides a security buffer for Crimea. And the Zaporizhia helps complete the um, land bridge connecting Crimea with Donbass and the Russian Federation. Uh, the Russian government has already said that these are irretrievably lost to Ukraine. Uh, they will not be getting them back. And um, you know, if the war continues, there's a good chance that um, Russia may continue to take territory in uh, in Odessa um, to not only secure the Black Sea um, from any potential threat posed by Ukrainian missiles uh, operating out of um, the, the, the Odessa region, but also to uh, bring to an end once and for all the um, the question of Transnistria, the uh, pro-Russian enclave uh, in Moldova right now, which uh, is isolated and uh, under threat from Moldovan, Ukrainian, and perhaps Romanian. Um, you know, forces. So Russia may go ahead and just say, hey, we're, we're, we're tired of playing uh, games. We're going to go ahead and complete the arc. And, um, and that's that. Now, the Ukrainian government uh, recognizes that it has lost these territories in the short term. They still labor under the uh, belief that there will be this magical counterattack that will throw Russia out of Ukrainian territory, liberate Crimea, and send uh, Vladimir Putin packing. But as things stand today, um, reality is more on Russia's side than Ukraine's side. Do, do, does uh, Vladimir Zelensky and do the people around him understand the reality of what you've said? In other words, is it just a fantasy? Is it a political uh, stunt that they're saying we're going to get Donbass back, or do they know it's gone forever? 
It's it's hard to, again, um, in, unless I was sitting with them, it's hard for me to ascertain what their state of mind is. Um, I would say that if they don't believe they're going to get it back, then what they're doing right now in prolonging the suffering of Ukraine and the and the suffering of the Ukrainian forces is criminal. Um, I mean, there's one thing to to resist to the bloody end. I, you know, American history is full of it. Uh, you know, we, we we have you know the Alamo. Um, you know, we have the brave resistance at Little Round Top with Chamberlain's second main holding on. Uh, we can, you know, we can go on and on with uh, stories of American troops, you know, holding out uh, in, in hope. Um, and maybe the Ukrainians believe that somehow this open-ended lend-lease uh, military assistance from the arsenal of democracy will, if only Ukraine can hold on, help turn the tide. Uh, but as things stand right now on the ground, it's very dark. It's very bad. And even the Ukrainian leadership understands this. Okay. Does that darkness and evil, badness, as you call it, uh, on the ground, does the reality of that resonate with the globalists in Western Europe, the NATO folks, the foreign ministers of the NATO countries, and most especially uh, with Antony Blinken and Lloyd Austin, the U.S. Secretary of State and Defense, and, and those who provide advice to President Biden? I think it's beginning to. Um, I, I, I Look, uh, Blinken and Austin, I think a long time ago, went over to the dark side. And what I mean by that, again, it's one thing to say, we're going to help Ukraine defend um, and that there's a viability to that defense. Um, you know, sacrifice and defense of, of a cause is, is never futile if you believe that that cause is just and you think you're going to win. Um, I don't happen to believe that the cause of defending Ukraine is just, but I respect those who do. Um, but if you are simply causing, uh, trying to extend the suffering of a nation, Ukraine, and the sacrifice of a people, the Ukrainians, uh, simply to achieve a political goal of causing Russia pain, then that is not only cynical, it's criminal. And I think that uh, Biden is surrounded by people who are willing to uh, sacrifice Ukrainian life in the in the national um, viability of Ukraine uh, for this goal of causing Russia pain. Now, on the other hand, I, I take a look at Europe. Um, you know, Jan Stoltenberg is a Norwegian diplomat from the old school. That means he doesn't go out in public unless he has a finely pressed suit and tie, cleanly shaved shaving lotion on looking good he looked like dirt when he uh, when he appeared before the press today unshaven suit here the man's in a panic an absolute panic and he understands that nato is going down nato has bought into this proxy war nato has invested its military viability i mean nato has given ukraine its artillery its armor its vehicles and it's Ukraine is losing. So Stoltenberg today is, is, well, maybe we need the Ukrainians to give up some territory and agree to a peace plan because he recognizes that it's game over right now. Did he actually actually say that today? You're talking about the Secretary General of NATO, right? Of NATO. Yeah. No, he said it's time for Ukraine to start considering giving up territory for peace because it's over. Why would he say that publicly instead of on a phone call privately with President Zelensky. Would Zelensky not take the call? I think he's saying it publicly to uh, to 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 uh, set the stage for what's about to happen in Brussels. Uh, right now, there's going to be a meeting in Brussels. Uh, Lloyd Austin is coming. Uh, it's going to be other 
I think Ben Wallace from the UK is coming, and they're in there. This is to consider the uh, the the fantastic, and that's in quotations, shopping list that Ukraine has uh, presented to the West. One thousand artillery pieces. The United States military doesn't have one thousand artillery pieces in its active service. And they're saying, we need the West to give us the equivalent of every artillery piece in America. You need to give it to us now. You need to give us 500 tanks. Great Britain, Germany, and France together don't have 500 tanks. And yet Ukraine's saying, you have to give us all this weaponry uh, and multiple launch rocket systems. And so I think, I think he's setting them up for um, the reality is Europe can't do that. Because if Europe gives Ukraine this, in a losing cause because Ukraine can't win. Then Europe literally will have nothing, nothing. So his requests are unrealistic. Does the man in the Oval Office understand that? Does Lloyd Austin understand it? Does Tony Blinken understand it? And if they do understand it, will they say, Mr. President, this is a losing cause. We can't give them any more because it's all going down the tubes. Well, I think that's the meeting. You know, they, they have this meeting coming up, I think, on the 15th. And um I'm, I'm thinking that's going to be, you know, of course, politicians are never that direct. You know, this. they yeah. they will spin anything six ways from Sunday. But I, I think the the momentum coming out of this meeting will be one that is propelling Ukraine towards a negotiated peace as opposed to uh, propelling Ukraine towards a defiant resistance until the last breath. OK, uh, this morning, the Daily Mail reported that Ukraine fired missiles 40 miles into Russia, uh, ostensibly to destroy a Russian military installation at a place called Klintsy, K-L-I-N-T-S-Y. And that uh, this was either preceded or followed by some sabotage uh, of the areas of the military base that were not destroyed uh, by the missiles. How dangerous is this if true that the ukraine has gone on the offensive and is 40 miles into russia well i i, I would uh be careful about calling it an offensive uh, an offensive implies a major military operation okay. um that's sustainable right, this, is like a, a, this is more like a this is more like a raid they've, a gone on, they've gone on the offensive and for the first time fired onto the other side of the Russian troops into Russian territory. How does Putin react to this? Oh, I mean, the Russians will react um, decisively. Uh, you know, the, Putin has said that, you know, we, that this is, a, again, I, I, I try, you, you understand the law and sometimes how words have meaning. Yeah. A special military operation is not war. If this were a war, all's fair. Ukraine, you want to hit us? We hit you? Fine. It's not a war. Um, this is Russia's special military operation designed to punish Ukraine for its criminal activities in the Donbass for the past eight years. that killed 14,000 Russians. That's the Russian perspective. As such, Ukraine doesn't have the right. Ukraine doesn't have the right to strike Russia. You don't. Just like a criminal gang with the cops coming at them. What, you're going to attack the police station and expect the cops not to triple down? No, Russia has told Ukraine, you don't get to hit us because you guys are in the wrong. Take it like a man. You can fight us on Ukrainian soil if you want, but if you bring it to Russia, it's game, set, match. We're coming after you. So I expect to see Russia starting to take out what they call decision-making centers uh, in Kiev. Russia has warned Ukraine not to do this. They said, if you do this, this is a game changer. And now they're going to start killing people. 
They, I don't suppose, think they'll kill Zelensky right those, out the bat. Suppose those missiles uh, that uh, landed in Klinsk, 40 miles east of the Russian-Ukraine border, say on the Made in USA. <laughs> well, then we're going to see um, uh, what I would advise Lloyd Austin not to travel to NATO. Uh, because NATO headquarters will become a smoking hole in the ground. So will Ramstein Air Base, which received it. Uh, also, the military uh, uh, conference facilities in Ramstein, where they host these uh, coordinating committees. Uh, in any place in Poland and elsewhere where intelligence information is shared with the Ukrainians. Uh, the Russians know all these locations, and they've, they've said straight up, if America is involved in providing Ukraine with weaponry that hits Russia, then we will destroy those aspects wow. that brought those weapons to us. You you know Ramstein, and I know of it. It is probably the most significant American military facility in all of Europe for a variety yeah. of reasons. You've just touched on the military, intelligence, diplomatic, medical. Um, would the Russians attack Ramstein and not expect something back from NATO and, and us? Well, they'll attack Ramstein. And if NATO wants to escalate, Russia will be ready to escalate. Russia doesn't do anything half-cocked, meaning that uh, they're not going to do something and go, oh, we're not aware of the potential consequences. Russia has informed everybody what it will do. Russia doesn't bluff. Don't know how many times I have to say that. Russia doesn't bluff. So when they strike, um, you know, NATO, put on your big boy pants, throw a punch back. But Mike Tyson's coming at you, buddy. He's going to be pounding you down till you're down. He's going to throw you out of the ring. He's going to jump over the ropes, and he's going to keep hitting you because you started this. All right. From your um, former colleagues, any uh, information or analysis on your part about Putin standing with his inner circle and with his own intelligence community? Uh, <laughs> you always get the, the rumors, the whispers, but the reality is uh, Putin's never been stronger. Uh, he's winning. Uh, the military is looking good. His intelligence services are finally looking good. Uh, the people are solidly behind him. Um, there's just zero indication of any, um, you know, uh, unrest in, in 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 the Russian ranks. How much longer can this, can this go on in, in light of what you've just described and in light of the events of the past week or so? Russia is willing to take this. Uh, it goes uh, as long as as needed. Uh, again, Russia's goals are not driven by a calendar. They're driven by casualty figures and, and objectives. They aren't going to sacrifice a large number of men needlessly. Uh, Ukraine, you know, the question now is how much pain can Ukraine take? Uh, we've just been told that Ukraine has, uh, you know, entered a, a new mobilization where they can have up to a million men mobilized. Um, how many of these can receive training? How are they, are they going to be willing to fight? Uh, how much equipment can they absorb on what time level? Uh, I think the 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 you know when you look at this equation, uh, the Russian numbers are solid. The Ukrainian numbers are problematic. Um, I'm not saying Ukraine can't drag this this out for another several weeks, months. I'm saying that it's unlikely Ukraine will be because, for instance, to give you an example, on the artillery front, um, all of their Soviet era artillery is out of ammunition. They've got nothing left. So the only only artillery pieces they can fire nowadays are the ones that they've received from the West. And um, while those are capable, they're fewer in number. What you have just told us in the past 15 minutes does not appear in the mainstream media. The American public 
doesn't know that. Our, our listeners are privileged uh, to hear you and to understand this version of events. Does the American CIA have an understanding similar to yours? Do they still leak falsehoods to the media? Do they still tell Joe Biden what they think he wants to hear rather than what they know to be so if those two are different? Again, I, I haven't seen the presidential daily briefing, so I don't of course, of course. know for but sure. You know, what you I, what know I, the way these people operate. Yeah, what, I, what, I, what, I, what I think is happening here is at the lower levels, the CIA has, first of all, the CIA has some of the best intelligence collection capabilities in the world. So they, they have the data available. They have some of the finest analysts in the world. So the analysts know what the truth is. The problem comes when you push the analysis up to middle management, and middle management's job is to balance between accuracy and uh, perception. And right now, you have the Biden administration saying, we need to create the perception of Ukrainian success. Therefore, we can't allow truth to come up and cloud this. So they're suppressing the truth, meaning that the analysis is being stuck at middle level, being uh, manipulated, etc. When it comes up, the manipulated stuff is being leaked to the press. This is why you're getting garbage in the American media, because as Biden has said, and I always refer people back to his July 23rd conversation with Afghan President Ghani, where he told Ghani, I don't want to hear about 20,000 militants coming across the border. I don't want to hear that you're losing and that if we leave, you'll collapse in a week. What I want you to do is get on TV and tell everybody it's all going to be okay because that's the perception we have to be. And he ordered them to lie. The president of the United States ordered them to lie. That's the kind of man we're dealing with in the White House today, a liar. How do a professional uh, intelligence officers feel when their uh, truthful, accurate, painstakingly acquired data is being tortured for political purposes and not making its way to decision makers? You know, the younger they we know are. About Phil, we know about Phil Giraldi. He, he's yeah. a hero. Are others right. like that? Well, here's the thing. Um, you know, today in this overly politicized environment, um, if you're a young analyst, um, you've either made a decision that you're going to hold your nose and take it out and get your pension, or you're going to quit. You're going to resign. But you're too junior to have an impact on politics. If you're a mid to senior level guy, you've got an important career decision making. You've already invested a lot of time into this career field. Um, you have a wife, you have kids, you have a mortgage. Are you really going to throw all that away to play hero on TV where you get five minutes of fame and then your career is ruined for life? These guys have been holding their nose for a long time because they bought into the system. They bought into their careers and they're going to continue to promulgate the lies. Unfortunately, the intelligence business is a career field not a field where honor, integrity matters anymore. Can I get my pen? What you just described to us, which strikes me as extremely realistic, must be known to Anthony Blinken and to uh, Bill Burns, I think that's the name of the fellow that's the head of the CIA, yep. uh, and to Lloyd Austin. They must know about this. They've just been around too long not to know about it. How truthful are they with the president? Can this president, for all of his deficiencies, take and accept the truth with respect well, remember, to this Ukraine is, and this Russia? Is, this is Joe Biden, who spent 47 years in, in government learning to lie. 
Um, so this isn't some novice coming in. This isn't Mr. Smith goes to Washington sitting there going, oh, gosh, you mean there's a truth out there? This is the ultimate liar. This is the ultimate, you know, schemer coming in. And he's meeting with Lloyd Austin, a man who rotated out of the Pentagon into defense industry and back. So he's a player. Lincoln's been a player his whole life. Burns is a player. And there's a bunch of players sitting down. There's no deceiving each other. Biden's just saying, you know, we got to We got to We got to shape this information to create perception. And Austin's like, yeah, we can do that. Lincoln's like, yeah, we can do that. Maybe Burns is the only honest man saying that might not be a good idea. But other than that, no, these are all players, people who have sold their integrity years ago. They wouldn't be where they're at today if they hadn't. One of my uh, one of our emailers says the U.S. public are the most propagandized citizens in the world. Agree? They allow themselves to be. I mean, we have the ability not to be. We 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 have the training. We have the uh, the history. We have the constitution. Uh, we shouldn't be. But if we if we allow ourselves to wrap ourselves in a cocoon of comfort, and as long as the government doesn't rock that cocoon of comfort. We're willing to keep floating down the path, then yes, we 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 will be the most heavily propagandized. You know, but I have faith in look, your viewers aren't heavily propagandized. They're people oh, who want the truth. No. And I believe there's my, lots my, of other people. My like this. viewers, my viewers flock to judging freedom because we present you, Colonel McGregor, uh, yeah. Bill Giraldi, and others who are iconoclasts. They're willing to say the establishment's been wrong. They've been wrong all along. You've been duped all along. Here's the truth. I mean, the and numbers are going off the off the charts as you uh, as you say all this. Look, when, I, when I, I, I you say when will what you say be stated by mainstream media? That's unfortunately, it's going to take mainstream media is a business. They're not in the business of telling the truth. They're in the business of selling advertisement. So they need to create news that's entertaining, not news that's informative. Um, you know, the, unfortunately, you know what it takes to, to wake people up? Pain. It takes pain. And I, we're heading down pain highway right now. The, the economy is in trouble. We're going to be embarrassed abroad. And I think most Americans are going to wake up and say, you know, enough is enough. Uh, it's time we get back to basics. It's time that we become good citizens at home and good citizens abroad. And good citizens abroad doesn't mean that you're weak and effeminate. It means that you're strong, firm on your principles, but you're not there to bully people. We act like bullies. We're not the neighborhood friend. We're the neighborhood bully. And we're paying a price because we're a weak bully right now. We've we've believed our own, pro like most bullies, we believe our own propaganda. We stop going to the gym. We're not lifting weights. We're not doing our cardio. And some lightweight boxer is going to come in and clean our clock on round two. Scott Ritter, nobody says it like you do. It's always a pleasure, no matter what we're talking about. Uh, the people that are loyal to uh, judging freedom are just crazy about you, as am I. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you very much for having me. Judge Napolitano for judging freedom.